Welcome to our worship today from Seal Church, led by me, Canon Anne Labar. Our thanks today go to Kevin Bright for our sermon, and to Babs Bartholomew for our reading, and as always to the choristers of St Martin in the Fields for our hymns. Grace, mercy and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. Amen. As we begin our worship, let's think of the week that has passed and all that's happened in it. There will have been times when we've done wrong or fallen short because we're human. So we ask for God's forgiveness 
in the joyful knowledge that nothing can destroy his love for us. God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, Jesus Christ, to save us from our sins, to be our advocate in heaven and to bring us to eternal life. We say together, Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you and against our neighbour in thought and word and deed, through negligence, through weakness, through our own deliberate fault. We are truly sorry and repent of all our sins. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us, forgive us all that is past and grant that we may serve you in newness of life to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy upon you, pardon and deliver you from all your sins, confirm and strengthen you in all goodness, and keep you in life eternal, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, you have taught us that all our doings without love are nothing worth. Send your Holy Spirit and pour into our hearts that most excellent gift of love, the true bond of peace and of all virtues, without which whoever lives is counted dead before you. Grant this for your only Son, Jesus Christ's sake, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our first reading is from the book of the prophet Ezekiel, chapter 17, beginning at the 22nd verse. Thus says the Lord God, I myself will take a sprig from the lofty top of a cedar. I will set it out. I will break off a tender one from the topmost of its young twigs. I myself will plant it on a high and lofty mountain. On the mountain height of Israel I will plant it, in order that it may produce boughs and bear fruit, and become a noble cedar. Under it every kind of bird will live, in the shade of its branches will nest winged creatures of every kind. All the trees of the field shall know that I am the Lord. I bring low the high tree, I make high the low tree. I dry up the green tree and I make the dry tree flourish. I, the Lord, have spoken. I will accomplish it. Today's psalm is Psalm 92. It is a good thing to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to tell of your loving kindness early in the morning and of your faithfulness in the night season, on the psaltery and on the lyre and to the melody of the harp. For you have made me glad by your acts, O Lord, and I shout for joy because of the works of your hands. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree and shall spread abroad like a cedar of Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be green and succulent, that they may show how upright the Lord is, my rock in whom there is no fault. Hear the word of Jesus Christ according to Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. He also said, This is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. 
All by itself, the soil produces corn. First the stalk, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it, because the harvest has come. Again he said, What shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest seed you plant in the ground. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants, with such big branches that the birds of the air can perch in its shade. With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them, as much as they could understand. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. But when he was alone with his own disciples, he explained everything. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You might judge what I'm about to say as a bunch of random thoughts about parables, stories, context, and stuff spoken around rather than about, because it's too hard to fathom. If you were hoping for a neat explanation of how parables work, feel free to switch off now. Oh, and for me, the readings made me think about how we actually hear and take stuff in, as well as we actually are listening to each other at all. A woman walks into a bar after a hard work shift on a hot day orders that cold beer that she's been thinking about for the last hour, hands over her cash and downs it there and then. That would have been a perfectly reasonable little introduction a couple of years ago, but anybody who's bothered to buy a pint recently knows that it doesn't work like that anymore. And man makes a booking two days in advance, walks up to a bar wearing a mask scans the QR code, enters its details for track and trace, sits at his designated table and orders a pint of beer using an app on his mobile device, citing his table number. It is served to him on a tray by somebody wearing gloves and a mask and he pays via contactless card. It's so dull that you've already given up waiting to hear what happens next. The point of this isn't to illustrate why our pubs are struggling, but just how, in a short period of time, people hearing a story can immediately relate to it or have to use their imagination a bit because it's not their immediate reality. Anyone aged about 19 and a quarter hasn't, or shouldn't have, known anything different. We heard the parable of the mustard seed and how with many such parables he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it he did not speak to them except in parables but he explained everything in private to his disciples because many who heard jesus parables made their living from farming or fishing it's no coincidence that aspects of the natural world arise god's kingdom in its entirety would be too much for us, literally mind-blowing. So Jesus gives us parables to, to demonstrate aspects of the kingdom that we can relate to from everyday experiences. Parables 
have the potential to help us discover the truth for ourselves rather than simply being told that something is factual and we should believe it. They might open the new eyes needed to discover a reality beyond the immediate and obvious and are worthy of our attention. They can also easily be dismissed as irrelevant or too obtuse to wrestle with. Parables are often told in a way that would particularly resonate with the needs, even yearnings, of those hearing them, yet in a way that wasn't too much to bear in one go. There's a cheerful sense of mischievousness to the way in which many parables start. It's often not what people are expecting to hear. Perhaps a bit like some comedians engage you by saying something ridiculous, like a horse walked into a bar. We all know how that one ends. It's not so much that people listening to Jesus expected a joke, but they were hooked initially to some extent so that they wanted to know how the parable would end, even if they were sometimes left puzzled. The kingdom of God is as if someone would scatter seed on the ground. What? Is it too much of a leap to expect those listening to think about a seed time for God's harvest? Perhaps there might not be much to see yet, but keep the faith because God is at work. It's also like a tiny mustard seed. Did those hearing think, is this guy for real? I've got to hear where he goes with this. Apparently, black mustard seed grows wild in the Jordan River Valley to the height at which a person on horseback can stop under it for shade. Of course, when you hold its tiny seed in your hand, it can be a leap of imagination to believe in its potential. Yet this tiny seed held similarities to the kingdom of God, according to Jesus. Those hearing of a small seed could have found resonance with Ezekiel's times of suffering in exile. In both cases, God talks of taking action to provide shade and shelter, a refuge in God. Here's a big question. With what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what would help us explore it? Imagine yourself among hundreds gathered to hear Jesus talk as he says, the kingdom of God is like an acorn that grew to become like a mighty oak. I bet, like me, some of you have got oak seedlings, which are just a few inches in height. We can walk on them without even noticing at times, yet given the right environment, they can grow to around 100 foot tall. The kingdom of God packs as much power as one of those chilli seeds you touch when preparing a meal. Small and insignificant, you can even forget about them for a while. And then you rub your eye. It seems likely that Jesus is challenging his listeners to explore a parallel to his own situation. One man in Galilee isn't exactly the kingdom of God type change that people were expecting. How could God bring the change needed from such apparently tiny resources? 
Jesus wants the people hearing him to consider how different the kingdom of God is to their experience of a kingdom where the powerful rule unjustly. When you think about it, there are certain aspects of our lives, God included, that only make sense in parables or non-factual descriptions. No one has ever bottled love, given it a scientific formula, or defined it absolutely in words. Yet we make songs, films, stories about it that help us absorb its reality. We witness great courage and sacrifice motivated by love that help us feel its power. Parables are often thrown in alongside a situation or a problem, but not as the neat, direct solution which we often crave. Perhaps they run parallel in a way that we need to cross over to explore, yet there is no logic which can unlock their meaning absolutely. It's all part of their intrigue, not a code to be cracked, but something to be felt, not something that will always reveal itself in a timescale we feel acceptable. And for that reason, they can be frustrating, even painful, yet at times enlightening and delightful. What if we were trying to tell someone how we think God wants us to live? What it would be like to have heaven on earth? Where might we begin? Perhaps by listening to each other. Perhaps by being open to multiple ways of discovering this truth. I was walking by the River Thames on Friday and there was a bunch of guys listening to urban poetry on a big speaker, like the one Philip wields out to accompany our hymns. It's an interesting thought that they were determined to share this with all passers-by within a few hundred yards. When I say urban poetry, they would call it rap, but it's still just issues that they can relate to in a format they find acceptable or even entertaining. Whilst I didn't raise this with them, I thought it could do with a few less expletives, but the poetry was actually superb and I slowed down my walk to listen a bit longer. There I am, one of those people who pretends not to listen, but actually is drinking it all in. And we can be sure that whenever anyone talks about God, there's always some like this. A lot of us would give their material a wide berth, yet there's a creative sense of lament about a lot of life's sadness and problems, if anyone can be bothered to listen. One of Eminem's collaborations with Ed Sheeran speaks of moving from the darkness, pain and regrets of the past, leading to rivers of tears. Been a lover, been a cheat. All my sins need holy water. Feel it washing over me. Well, little one, I don't want to admit to something if all it's going to cause is pain. Truth and lies right now are falling like the rain. So let the river run. Jesus gave us a hint of how to get people intrigued enough to explore things further, perhaps a bit of a hook 
an opening line might get their attention. The opening line in Norman Maclean's book, A River Runs Through It, is In our family, there is no clear line between religion and fly fishing. People will quickly find their own twist on the fly fishing part, whatever their passion is, football, music, cooking, or you never know, they might actually be obsessed with fly fishing. The hard way in would be telling them in a believable way that if they really knew what the kingdom of God was like, their other passion might be put in perspective. But what if they were to start by recognising God in the very things already most important to them? It may be unrealistic to think that we can find ways to give everyone a hook or a theme that resonates for them as a route to ponder God's kingdom. Once the words have left our mouths, we have no further control over how they fall upon people's ears. Yet we're all here or listening on a podcast because we are people who want to know the kingdom of God. Like those hearing Jesus' parables, it might prove beneficial to consider how we find creative and surprising ways to explore this in a deeper sense. Just in case we need reminding, it's okay to start with something really small. Amen. Let us pray. Creator God, we give you thanks for the glory of the world around us, for the miracle of seed sowing and growing. We pray that we'll protect the world as a habitat for all your creatures, a place where all are welcome. We thank you that even in the smallest and most ordinary of things, people or situations, your kingdom, your grace, your presence can be found. Help us to look for you in all things. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Creator God, we pray for the leaders of the G7 nations as their meeting ends today, that they might have wisdom in setting a way forward which enables people to live in peace with one another and with the world we share. Help them to use their power for the good of all. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Creator God, we thank you for the communities to which we belong, our neighbours, friends and family, our workplace communities and the community of this church. Show us how to live the inclusivity we proclaim, especially when that's difficult and when compromise and understanding are needed. We pray for grace in the months ahead as society reopens that no one would be left behind. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Creator God, we bring before you the concerns that are on our minds and hearts today, the people about whom we are worried, the situations which challenge us, the burdens we bear. We spread them before you in a moment of silence and ask for your help and strength. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Creator God, we thank you for those who have gone before us into the joy of heaven, 
for the welcome you give to all your children. We pray that we might know that welcome ourselves and live secure in the knowledge that your love cannot be destroyed. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Let us pray with confidence as our Saviour has taught us. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. As we share in the peace, I'd like to invite you to think of someone who you know, maybe a member of our congregation, maybe a member of your family from whom you're separated, or a friend. Someone who you would like to feel that you're united with at this point. Because we're all held together in God's love, even when we're separated physically. We are the body of Christ. In the one spirit we were all baptised into one body. Let us then pursue all that makes for peace and builds up our common life. The peace of the Lord be always with you. Keep us, good Lord, under the shadow of your mercy in this time of uncertainty and distress. Sustain and support the anxious and fearful and lift up all who are brought low, that we may rejoice in your comfort, knowing that nothing can separate us from your love. In Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, be among you and remain with you always. Amen.